0: Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron.
1: Happy July 8th. I hope that you are all keeping well and staying safe and wearing masks and doing everything that is required to support the collective in moving out of this experience that we are currently in. And there are many things that you can do during this time, whether you are taking downtime or whether you are an essential worker or someone that has moved back into uh, your normal routine. My guest today is going to offer us some insight into crystals and crystal healing and allow you to have an opportunity to bring uh, that type of energy into your home if you are not someone that has dealt with crystals before and if you are someone that is an avid crystal collector and user and healer then there are some fascinating things that we're going to talk about in regard to crystal elixirs and layouts and grids uh, and methods of healing that are utilized with crystals. Crystal healing teacher Nicholas Pearson offers a compendium of 200 rocks, minerals, gemstones, and crystal formations that are alphabetically organized and featured with photographs in this wonderful book. Crystal Basics opens with a thorough explanation of crystal energy, including its interaction With the human energy field, and he'll teach you how to extrapolate what a crystal does based on its composition, crystal structure, formation process, and other properties. Uh, He offers uh, real guidance in selecting your crystals and gemstones, and then step-by-step instruction on how to cleanse, charge, activate, and program them. What you might not realize is you yourself are a crystalline form, and we're going to discuss more of that as well. Nicholas has been immersed in all aspects of the mineral kingdom for more than 20 years. He began teaching crystal workshops in high school, later studying mineral science at Stetson University's Gillespie Museum. A certified teacher of Yusui Reiki, he teaches crystal and Reiki classes throughout the United States, and he is the author of six books, including The Seven Archetypal Stones and Crystals for Karmic Healing. Uh, We are talking about his book, Crystal Basics, The Energetic Healing and Spiritual Power of 200 Gemstones. Welcome, Nicholas, to 1111 Talk Radio.
2: Thank you so much for having me on. It's, It's a pleasure to chat with you today.
1: It's wonderful to have you here. You certainly have a... Uh, a wide range of experience with crystals. And I have featured you in 1111 Magazine before uh, with some of your work and, and utilized many of your texts myself. Uh, so it's wonderful to have you here and to share this information about crystals. It seems that they're no longer in the land of the woo-woo. And uh, now they have become uh, a more mainstream item for individuals to wear, to utilize, to keep into their homes. Uh, how have you seen the use and uh, acceptance of crystals within people's lives grow in the time that you've been working with them?
2: Oh, it's wonderful. You know, uh, when I started, I started real young and it was hard to find good places to find crystals. And now, I mean, with the proliferation of <laughs> online shopping online, but we've also got so many stores popping up. I see crystals. Um, you know, semi-precious stones used in things like home decor and jewelry and so many things that we find in the more mainstream scene. And I feel like it is a, a sign that we're kind of collectively waking up and we're, we're ready to step into that next phase of evolution in human consciousness.
1: Well, crystals are, are kind of that, that magical Thing You know, we as children, we love rocks. (laughs) At least I did. I would collect rocks and acorns and all kinds of things. And as a grown up, my rocks have become crystals and I'm fascinated with them and absolutely love having them around. They seem quite magical and quite mystical. Why are we so drawn to them? And is there a history in terms of how uh, human beings began using crystals and realizing that they had these different healing properties and ways to support
2: us in our lives? Oh, this is such a great topic. Thank you for asking. Um, humankind has, we'll say, interacted with the, the mineral kingdom, the, the the geosphere, since the beginning of time itself. Some of our earliest tools, our first pigments, our, our earliest ornaments were likely to have been stones. And um, you know, in the beginning, as far as the anthropological evidence goes, we, we see that we We've kind of collectively liked weird rocks since the dawn of time, whether it was a, a rock that had a fossil in it, a strange coloring, um an unusual shape. Um, it was you know very early on that we started collecting stones and attributing some sort of otherness or or some sort of specialness to them. Um, there's some archaeological evidence that shows that the the earliest known use of quartz crystals, um, was uh, a find that's sometimes referred to as the the Beijing Man, and um, it says a, a an antecedent of modern Homo sapiens, um, and the the evidence goes back about 450,000 years. It's the earliest known use of of quartz crystals. That we we don't know what we use them for. We don't know what this particular individual carried them to do. But clearly they they'd gone a long way to collect a handful of specimens that came from regions very far from where the the remains were found. So ever since then, we've we've had this draw to the mineral kingdom, and I think it's because it it speaks to something within ourselves. It speaks to the crystallinity in our physical makeup. It speaks to the sort of geometric patterns, the uh, the spiritual crystallinity that governs the whole universe.
1: Mm. Wow, that that's a long time back for crystals to have been started uh, in use, and I was quite surprised to read just right in your introduction how crystals are all around us, that they're in things that we would have no idea, uh, which makes me think that uh, a more present awareness to our environment and holding uh, even that as part of the crystalline structure around us could be quite powerful in terms of consciousness. Would you talk a little bit about where in our environments we already have them, whether
2: we know it or not? Oh for sure. Yeah, so I mean I'm sitting here in my office. My office is full of rocks because that's that's pretty typical of my life. But even if I were to take all of them out of the room, there would be rocks, minerals, crystals in my environment, um, kind of hidden from sight. So we've got um, little bits of gypsum in the drywall, the plasterboard that's in our walls. Gypsum, of course, when it's transparent and crystalline, we call it selenite. Um, We've got, you know, wonderful copper ore that is smelted and refined to produce the wiring in all of our electrical units. We've got in our computers and electronics, little thin wafers of silicon um, which is sort of a, a crystalline semi-metal, not the same thing as silica, which is quartz. But you find crystals literally everywhere you go. Um, they are within us. They are around us. They are in the earth beneath our feet. And then we've also got this really ubiquitous crystalline substance, water. Um, water in its idealized state should exist as what's called a liquid crystal mesophase, or a state that's kind of in between liquidity and crystallinity. It, it exhibits some of the properties of both, and that of course, constitutes a large part of our body, but we've got, you know, water all through our environments as well. So, um, there's literally nowhere you can go where you're not in relationship to something that is crystalline. And the more conscious we become of that, um, I think the the more present we'll be with our, our spiritual practice, whether that involves crystals or not, um, but also it gives us an opportunity to sort of interact with that that guiding light, that guiding soul of the crystal world, um, even doing the most mundane and ordinary things.
1: Wow. The work of Masaru Emoto, where he talked about the charging of water crystals and the fact that we are composed of water, uh, mostly ourselves, and then all of this around us. It seems to me that the sacredness and presence that we bring to the environment, uh, not only can we charge up our homes and charge up our bodies and charge up our glasses of water, but then bringing in Uh, crystals in a conscious way into our environments and utilizing them in different uh, activations or rituals or simply uh, breathing and presence in meditation would completely support healing transformation and a raising in consciousness in a very simple and easy way
2: yeah i mean there's crystals are catalysts all things that have a crystalline structure have this um, innate sense of order this coherency to them and when we start to interact with that in a really conscious and conscientious manner it brings that same level of coherency to the mind to the soul to the body and it gives us this platform for really um, catalyzing our our spiritual growth we start to move at at i won't say light speed but as as close to it as we can permit while we're still in body
1: Mm -hmm. i find in my own growth and experience of spiritual evolution, that beauty plays a huge role in that, being able to appreciate beauty or surround myself with beauty or love the shine or sparkle of something or the feel of something. Uh, It seems that also crystals would enhance that aspect of the inner experience and outer experience of beauty, which creates a subtle level of fulfillment in our lives. Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Oh, this is so true. Um, I remember once having a conversation with someone who um, was telling me about how he kind of approached uh, people who were skeptical about the healing qualities of stones. And you know, the, the thing is that humankind is naturally attracted to beauty. And um, he said that in his in his travels, he came across the teachings of the Diné or the Navajo, and they, they call their, their healing path the beauty way, because beauty is therapeutic. Seeing form and order and structure and seeing things that are arranged aesthetically is, is naturally soothing to the mind. When we bring order to the mind, of course, we bring order to the body and to the spirit. And um, there's, there's no part of us that isn't somehow influenced in a positive way by expressions of beauty. So, um, you know, even just on that psychological level, I think having beautiful things, whether they're, you know, a, a vase full of flowers or um, a beautiful crystal cluster or you know a gemstone ring is it's going to be soothing in some level um i don't think that necessarily um takes away from the the woo-woo part of it i still think that's there i still think there's a physics to the the energy of crystals but the psychology of it is just as important because our, our psychology um precedes and transcends the pathology in our bodies as well so finding that beauty is a wonderful open door to expansion and growth and healing
1: mm. Let's let's talk a little bit about the physics of crystals. Let's let's talk a little bit about how uh, crystals function and uh, and why they affect us in the ways that they do.
2: Sure, um, this is this is my favorite topic in the book. So um, you know, in short, everything in the universe moves. Um, at the most fundamental level, we have these little tiny particles um, that can be. Um, either in wave form and resemble energy or be, you know, in a more material sense and and be matter. And they they vibrate, they wiggle, they dance. And the more organized these particles are, um, essentially the the louder their volume will be, the, the higher the amplitude. So when we get these energy fields that interact with one another... They naturally want to kind of exchange information, get on the same page. And so louder energy fields or energy fields with higher amplitudes can influence those of lower amplitudes to come into um, resonance with them and essentially with with a crystal, we have something that is so well organized that it naturally has a louder volume than our bodies. Our bodies are supposed to be incoherent because your your liver is not performing the same function as your heart or your brain or your kidneys or your big toe. So every part of your body is kind of generating its own set of frequencies and amplitudes, and that makes this whole symphony of our body. But we introduce something like you know a piece of quartz, which is just silicon dioxide through and through. It has such a a clear and coherent message that it naturally brings some of that clarity and coherency to our own energy field. And it draws us into a state of sympathetic resonance through a process that we call entrainment, where these two energy fields kind of sync up.
1: And for entrainment to happen, it, oftentimes people pick crystals that they just think look pretty or for some reason they're they're drawn to. Is that part of uh, some subtle coherence or or knowing that the body has of of what will allow it to equilibrate and move up into that amplification or is there a certain
2: science to us utilizing crystal i think both baths are equally valid Um, our our bodies are really finely tuned instruments we are giant antennas Uh, so we have a really good opportunity to kind of tune into that and honor the wisdom of our body and see what we're drawn to but i think it's equally as important to recognize the things that we feel repelled by. There are some of my personal deepest teachers in the mineral kingdom have not been the sort of stones that give me that warm and fuzzy feeling. I want to have them all the time because they're, they're amplifying a positive quality. Um, it's the ones that kind of make us want to turn tail and run every now and then that tend to be the crystals that are going to, you know, show us where we're most out of harmony and help us draw that into the state of coherence. So, um, you know, there can be a science to it as well. We can get really prescriptive. I love to start people with honoring their intuition. However,
1: uh, going to what you just said in terms of certain crystals can make you want to run, or they'll they'll amplify that uh, a different level of work within you. Can you can you describe that a little bit more, or, or um, give a little more explanation so that listeners would understand what you're talking about in greater detail?
2: Sure thing. You know, I think most crystal lovers have had the experience of just finding that stone that that lights them up that feels so positive um you know it's like your your personal talisman your personal power piece and you know any day that you've got it it's going to sort of you know brighten your outlook but every now and then we find a stone that for whatever reason just evokes an uncomfortable feeling and it is those stones that evoke some sense of discomfort within us that tend to be highlighting an experience that we might be sweeping under the rug, or um, you know maybe uh, it's it's one of those stones that can kind of shed light on places where we've kind of put our traumas away, put our our out of balance patterns away, and so when we work with the stones that might be a little more uncomfortable, then we have an opportunity to go straight into those places and begin to transform them. And that's not to say I recommend, you know, finding the crystal that makes you the most uncomfortable and and wearing five pounds of it at all times. Um, you certainly wouldn't want to go about real life, you know, dealing with those sorts of traumas. What you want to do is maybe find a, a nice piece of it, take 5, 10, maybe even 15 minutes of quiet time in your safe space and, you know, build up almost like you're you're building a resistance to that discomfort and explore it and then as soon as you're done cleanse the crystal cleanse yourself cleanse your space and start working with the stones that do give you that warm and fuzzy feeling um and it's it's that that interplay of um working with the stones that are highlighting the areas of opportunity the areas of growth areas that still need to be healed while still being able to go to those that are more like a soothing balm and Mm -hmm. we've got to explore both
1: Crystals have skyrocketed to the forefront of popular culture today. They are no longer relegated solely to the realms of the mystical and arcane. Those who wear them and carry them aren't outsiders any longer. We see healing stones being carried by contestants on reality television, while rocks and minerals have taken center stage in both fashion and interior design accenting the necklines of models, and gracing the homes of celebrities. Gemstones have infiltrated cartoons, graphic novels, and all other corners of society today. This is part of the introduction to the book, Crystal Basics, The Energetic Healing and Spiritual Power of 200 Gemstones. While you're picking that one up, also pick up Crystal Healing for the Heart or any of the other six books uh, that Nicholas Pearson has written He's been immersed in all aspects of the mineral kingdom, and you can find out more about him at theluminouspearl.com. That's theluminouspearl.com. He does have uh, an event coming up at Temple Fest in New Hampshire. It is still slated to take place, and that event will run August 20th to 23rd. You can find out more on his website, again theluminouspearl.com. Uh, before we go to commercial break, I want to mention one of my sponsors, and that is Skillshare. It is an online learning community for creatives where millions come together to take the next step in their creative journey. You can explore your creativity with a special gift from Skillshare for the 1111 listeners. Get two free months of premium membership at Skillshare.com forward slash 11 spell out the word 11. Skillshare offers thousands of inspiring classes for creatives and curious people on all topics including illustration design photography video freelancing and more the classes include a combination of video lessons and a class project and they have classes to fit your schedule and skill level Members get unlimited access to thousands of inspiring classes with hands-on projects and feedback from a community of millions. Most classes are under 60 minutes with a short lesson to fit any schedule. You can get two free months at Skillshare.com forward slash 11. It is a wonderful opportunity to have something for your children to be engaged with this summer. It is a membership with meaning as you explore real projects to create and support yourself and fellow creatives Uh, This is uh, an incredibly affordable uh, membership to be a part of, and it will allow you to dive into all these different areas that you might want to achieve uh, as new skill sets for new work endeavors or simply to play and fulfill yourself. Again, that's Skillshare.com forward slash 11. We'll be right back after these messages with more of Nicholas Pearson, the LuminousPearl.com, author of Crystal Basics. Join us in just a few minutes.
0: Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. 1111 magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart and stepping into conscious living. 1111 magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com.
3: Do you want more more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships? more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose. The 1111 mastermind community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course. Dream a new dream. The 1111 mastermind community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses 1111mag.com Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio.
1: My guest today is Nicholas Pearson, and he is the author of Six books, including the one that we're talking about today, Crystal Basics, where you can discover the energetic, healing, and spiritual power of 200 gemstones. If you're like me and you love crystals, you've got them all over your home. And by looking at your own body through the lens of crystallinity, you can find that many of your tissues display the same basic functions as crystals, and that you are literally made of crystals, both liquid and solid. By partnering with the mineral kingdom intentionally, you can influence the level of coherency and crystallinity in your body, thereby steering you toward health and well-being on every level of existence. This is from Nicholas's book. You can find out more about him and all of his work at theluminouspearl.com. So definitely check that out uh, and see everything that he's about. In addition, you can make note of the Temple Fest event that he will be appearing at August 20th to 23rd in New Hampshire if you're in the area or if you are out and about traveling at that time. Nicholas, you had said something uh, closing out the last segment where you talked about utilizing the crystal and then uh, clearing it and uh, cleansing it. Talk a little bit about... The clearing and cleansing of crystals why that's necessary and
2: how often sure you know this is one of those things that i think we can we can take for granted crystals are natural record keepers they're they have memory um this is something that you know we talk about a lot in terms of you know crystalline materials being responsible for computer memory Um, But all crystals, all crystal lattices have this innate ability to store the imprint of, of whatever they experience. Every energy field they come in contact with leaves a little tiny imprint there. So imagine, if you will, that it's like recording something on your chalkboard all day long, every experience you've got, you go up and you write you write a note. Eventually you run out of space on that chalkboard. Eventually your crystal becomes so saturated with other things that it's not focused on, you know, whatever the lesson, whatever the goal, whatever the experience might be for the day. So cleansing becomes necessary not because those other energies are inherently bad or good, but just because they're they're just that. They're other. So cleansing gives us the opportunity to wipe the slate clean return back to that clean, crisp, clear focus of whatever our, our goal is, whatever our intention is for partnering with that crystal or gemstone. Um, so it's it's important we do this often. Um, you know, a lot of people, when we kind of come to the world of crystals, we get into that, that ritual of maybe wanting to do it under the full moon, which is really wonderful and a beautiful experience. Um, but imagine if you only changed your socks once a month or only you know, wash your hands once a month. Um, we we need to adopt a paradigm where we cleanse our crystals as often as we use them because it gives us a, a much better end result. So there are so many different ways we can do this, but essentially for for any sort of therapeutic use, whether I'm doing a, a layout or a grid, working on myself or my client's, Um, I cleanse crystals immediately before use and immediately after just to make sure I've got that nice clear slate. If I'm working with them in my personal life, like stones I might carry in my pockets or ones that I'll wear as jewelry, um, I generally give them a, a gentle cleanse when I get home from a day out and then i'll do a deeper cleanse once every week or two depending on you know the the nature of life these days you can anticipate i'm i'm cleansing them a little bit more thoroughly than normal just to kind of help me contend with the way the world is and help me hold space more effectively for others
1: now when it comes to cleansing you mentioned the full moon what are in the book you talk about water you talk about sound you talk about vocal cleansing Uh, and even cleansing with the breath. Talk a little bit about each of these
2: methods. Sure, Um, my favorite manner for cleansing crystals is using the breath, so I'm gonna start there. This is a, a technique that I learned Um, inspired by the work of um, Dr. Marcel Vogel, who was an IBM research scientist for almost three decades and then kind of became the grandfather of the modern crystal healing movement. Um, But he used a very science-based approach to uh, work with stones. And so I really love his techniques. But essentially what we do is by, by breathing really consciously, intentionally, um, and pulsing the breath in a short and sharp exhale through the nose, we couple our intention with a very minute ionization. We actually can generate a tiny electrical charge if we breathe correctly. Um, and, you know, we get a, a physics-based interaction from that ionized breath, but then we also get the, the direction of our, our conscious mind to work on the more spiritual or psychic level. So cleansing with breath is great because chances are um, if if you have a, a stone that is too delicate to breathe on you're not using it in your crystal healing practice it's going to sit behind glass probably in a museum not something you have to worry about Um, lots of other methods like salt or sand or sun or um, water they can damage some of our stones I love cleansing with water but I'm really mindful about the stones that I use in that manner so um, um, the simplest way I'll So long as I've got a water-stable stone, I will just put it under a running faucet and just alternate between warm and cool water, not hot and cold. We don't want too high of a temperature change because that can damage some stones. Um, But that sort of um, expansion and contraction that we get from the change in temperature is almost like wringing out the sponge. It causes the crystal lattice to actually kind of dislodge the energy patterns that are stuck within there. Plus, we get the sort of symbolism of water, that universal solvent, that cool, cleansing energy that it brings. So, um, I really enjoy methods that employ a little bit of physics as well as a little bit of faith. Um, but there are plenty of other methods out there that work merely because of the, the spiritual symbolism. They work because we believe in them. So, um, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the, the best way to cleanse is the method that is good for you and also good for your stones. So, if you love burning sage or copal or... Rosemary to cleanse your crystals. Go for that. If you really love using sound, sound is wonderful um, because again, unless, unless you have a very, very delicate stone, um, chances are you're not going to damage it with sound. So I really love methods that are safe for all my stones. Um, so breath, smoke, and sound are my, my three go-tos these days in my practice.
1: So there are, there are many people that simply see a crystal and find it to be a beautiful piece or are drawn to it or have heard someone talk about an amethyst or quartz or something like that. So they grab one and they put it on their nightstand or stick it in their home somewhere, but don't really do much else with it. When you talk about really utilizing a crystal in a healing or empowering way, how would you go about
2: utilizing a crystal? You know, first, I'd like to say that even those passive methods, that that bringing of the stone into our environment in some way, it's going to have some effect. Um, how measurable it will be, I, I can't really say. It'll depend on the person, the stone, the placement, and a whole lot of other factors. But the more conscious and intentional our relationship with our stone, the more we're going to get out of having that stone in our life. So, the simplest thing that I will often do is um, just kind of Unplug for a few moments, find the best light I can manage, preferably, you know, good, natural, unfiltered sunlight, and just marvel at the beauty of the stone. Turn it every which way, get to know it. This is something I do, especially when I get a new specimen, Um, you know, if it's translucent or transparent observe how light travels through it. Um, you know, use use all my my senses, um, get a tactile sense for it. How does it feel in my fingers? What is the weight of the stone? And as I kind of engage all my senses and I get that sort of bodily involvement, it's a really great thing because it it distracts my conscious mind. So my conscious mind is in relationship with this beautiful object. And that allows my, my subconscious, my superconscious, my, my spiritual mind to be... Um, unhindered, unfettered by whatever my ego thinks it should be doing instead. And that's a great way to just kind of build this um, relationship with your stones. Over time, you start to observe the feelings that they evoke within you. Um, You start to see or sense or become aware of the interplay of energy between you and your stones when you kind of engage with them in this way. So what starts out as just marveling over the beauty of a, a rock or a mineral leads you to a place of spiritual communion. Um, So it's my favorite simple practice, it's my my absolute number one technique that I I teach newcomers. But other ways that we can work with them, you know, more focused meditations are a wonderful way to get going. Um, One that I will often use when exploring new stones is visualizing myself going inside the crystal and exploring that inner world. Um, You know, you can visit the same crystal 100 times and have 100 different experiences. I love to use crystal grids. I have a very large one set up in my office right now beside me that I've been using to send healing to the world. Um, Crystal elixirs are another way. We can imprint crystal energy on water and then use that water in in various ways from spraying in our environment to taking it internally so long as we've prepared in a safe manner, using it in the garden, um, using it as offerings to whatever um, spirits or guides or whoever we might be working with. Um, They can do layouts on the body and around the body um, the, the applications for crystals are only limited by our imaginations.
1: I think that's what I love about this book. I have several of your books, but this one in particular, uh, which is Crystal Basics, The Energetic Healing and Spiritual Power of 200 Gemstones, is you really go quite comprehensively through so many uh aspects to crystals from building a collection to the foundational practices of of cleansing and programming and activating even into the meditations and then like you said the crystal elixirs and the grids and the layouts uh, and then you you finalize it with uh, information regarding the spiritual and hygiene and protection of crystals and then and then go through so many crystals so that people understand uh, how to take care of those or what they are what Qualities those particular crystals possess. Uh, it really is almost a Bible when it comes to crystals. When we look at elixirs, grids, and layouts, um, it's only recently, I'd say in the last couple of years, that I've even myself personally heard of doing work with crystals in this way. Is this something new that has come about, or is this also something that's been there all along
2: but uh, just simply comes into awareness when it comes into awareness you know i think our our modern approach to crystal grids is is just that modern but if you look at the human impulse to arrange stones and geometric patterns this is something that is fundamentally very ancient whether we're talking megalithic stone structures like the circles you find in place like um you know uh, stonehenge and uh, roll right stones and avebury or whether we're talking smaller scale arrangements of stones things that are meant to be temporary like the beautiful mandalas made from sand and crushed gemstones that we find the tibetan buddhist tradition engaging with um, you know putting crystals in geometric forms is something that we we just feel called to do so the the provenance for crystal grids i think shares dna with some very very ancient practices and the same holds true for elixirs um, there, you can you can read many medieval manuscripts that talk about the curative and occult properties of gemstones where they suggest placing gems in water or milk or wine or other spirits um, as a means of creating some sort of healing remedy from that. Um, something that, um, you know, we've, we've been doing for a long time, even if we didn't understand the mechanics of it from a physics-based perspective, the, the spiritual mechanics are essentially timeless. So, I think we've we've got an opportunity to work with a lot of stones that we couldn't before because we've got better mining technology. We can dig deeper with um, you know better equipment to saw into new rocks, um, and we can dig farther and find brand new things almost almost every month, if not every year. Um, there's There's so many new ways to work with very old techniques. So you see them expand and proliferate in the modern era in ways that they couldn't before. I think that's why they've become so popular. We have we have the opportunity to work with new things and, and new numbers of things that just weren't available prior.
1: But crystal is medicine, so it, it has to be approached in that, that careful and present manner, particularly in regard to elixirs, because there are some stones that can have toxic components that should not be used in that way. And, and Um, and perhaps there are even stones that should not be put together. Can you talk a little bit about uh, being cautious and cognizant around the crystals?
2: Yes. Um, You know, definitely number one recommendation when working with crystal elixirs is when in doubt, leave it out. If, if you don't know 100% that it is safe to be in direct contact with water that you're going to consume, don't do it. There are indirect methods that you can use where the water will not make contact with the stone. There'll be no physical transference, only a, a metaphysical one. Um, and those are, are methods that are safe for any crystals to use. Um, but... Uh, There's a lot of misinformation on what makes a stone toxic. So, you know, there are some chemical elements that on their own or when combined with certain other substances can be really bad for you. Uh, Some are really common, like aluminum. Um, Aluminum has a really detrimental effect on the um, nervous system, the brain over time. However, um, you see a lot of cautionary lists online and in books say that, You know such and such stone shouldn't be used for making elixirs because it contains aluminum and one you'll often see is corundum which is aluminum oxide in its precious forms we call that mineral ruby and sapphire but if i could place a piece of ruby in water and leach the aluminum out ruby would be no good for jewelry Um, so you have to understand a little bit of the the chemistry and the the science of crystals to know what is safe and what isn't Um, so the the chapter on crystal elixirs is going to give you a whole bunch of different cautions to consider Um, some toxic components really, um, you should just avoid things like lead and arsenic and mercury and anything that might be, um, radioactive. So avoid those. If you have stones that are soluble, um, you wouldn't do that either because they'll just dissolve outright. Others are really fragile, so they can be damaged by water. They have a, a property called being friable. Um, so things like selenite, some varieties of serpentine and tourmaline and, Um, You know, lots of other minerals. If you don't know what's in the matrix, if it's attached to some rock you can't identify, definitely don't add that to your drinking water. Um, And I don't do very soft stones as well as any stones that have been treated like um, dyed, irradiated, stabilized, colored in some way. Um, Keep those out of your water as well. Um, it's, It's always better to be safe rather than sorry. Healing with
1: crystals and gemstones requires more than just a working knowledge of the properties of your favorite tools, especially when you're engaged in hands-on healing. It is important to choose the right stones, ensure that the stones you're using aren't contaminated with other vibrations, and program them to harness their energy for a more precise outcome that you are seeking. You can find out more about Nicholas Pearson and all of his works and books at theluminouspearl.com. That's theluminouspearl.com. Definitely get your copy of Crystal Basics, The Energetic Healing and Spiritual Power of 200 Gemstones. He has an event coming up in New Hampshire at Temple Fest, August 20th to 23rd. We'll be right back after these messages.
0: 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back. Uh, my guest today is Nicholas Pearson, and we are talking about his latest book, Crystal Basics. He has several books, On crystals and all of the work that he does. In this particular one, Nicholas offers guidance on selecting your crystals and gemstones, then step-by-step instructions on how to cleanse, charge, activate, and program them. Uh, He does a beautiful job of explaining how to make crystal grids and healing layouts, including templates for both, and he discusses the numerology and geometry of crystal grids. He explores the essentials of crystal elixirs, complete with elixir recipes, and details how to perform crystal meditations that clear the energy centers and your aura. Uh, and more practiced and advanced techniques as well where you engage crystal devas creating sacred space and practicing uh, with crystals for spiritual hygiene and protection each entry included uh, is also providing the geological information and physical psychological and spiritual healing qualities for every stone listed in the book some stones such as jasper and quartz have multiple varieties, and each of those are given their own entry, too. It is quite a comprehensive guide. Uh, I'll invite you to explore his website, theluminouspearl.com. Definitely go to his Facebook page, also titled The Luminous Pearl, uh, and look out for an upcoming event July 16th, Crystals for the Resistance. Proceeds will go to charity to support Black Lives Matter and other social uh, endeavors, that support our world in changing. Uh, So go to the Luminous Pearl on Facebook to find out more about that. Um, Nicholas, I'd love to talk a little bit about um, crystal layouts for healing, using crystals on the body. Uh, Number one, I want to know, you know, how does that process work? Do people uh, study and learn which stones they need to place where and uh, and how do they go about really activating the healing for that to take place?
2: This is a wonderful topic to discuss. I really love working with layouts. Um, when I was in college, I, I started to experiment a lot. And it would be really kind of driven by my intuition. At the time, there were two kind of dominant schools of thought when it came to making layouts. There were those where you had a a set layout that was maybe more prescriptive and uh, the crystal healer the therapist the practitioner was really in charge of picking what stones to go where and although there were some standard templates you also had the ability to kind of fine-tune you know where you might place a stone depending on the needs of the client Um, but there was a another school of thought wherein The client actually does the selecting and you know if you've got someone visiting you for some crystal healing you might invite them to take a look at your collection and pull out stones that they're drawn to um and you kind of work with those so i i use both in my practice um i do a lot of um there are some really standard layouts um you know one that's just a a circle of six stones around the body sometimes called the seal of solomon um where the Star of David pattern has been real popular ever since the the 1980s, maybe even a little bit earlier. Um, You can place stones on the chakras. Um, Another one that I really love to use is called the Carnelian net. And it it comes from the work of my, my friends and mentors, Sue and Simon Lilly. And it just takes six pieces of carnelian, and you'll see a a diagram for it in the book. But it's all about transforming trauma and clearing the stuff that we carry. But you can treat it like a recipe as well. As you're going through the book, and you see other layouts, um, as well as grids and other elixirs, um, you know, make substitutions, make changes, make additions as needed. And you know, I want to be mindful of the the kinds of substitutions we make. Um, It's it's a lot like cooking. If a recipe calls for You know, cinnamon, and you're not fond of cinnamon, you might not want to add oregano. So, we need to make sure that we're using stones that have a a similar effect or have a a similar flavor to them energetically um, to make those kinds of changes. But to really harness the potential of a layout. We have to be in conscious for relationship. If we're especially working for or with another human being, we want to make sure that we're showing up with our whole heart, that we're invested and we're holding space for them. We're not, you know, checking Facebook while they're sitting there piled high with stones. Um, and, um, you know there are certain activation procedures that you can work with as well that I, I use for crystal grids too. Um, where we might take a a, a wand shaped crystal that we are empowering or activating to its highest potential to kind of connect um, each of the stones and the layout to one another. So you'll find details for how to do all of that in the class in the in the book. Um, and then when I'm back to traveling full time, I'll be teaching these techniques in workshops.
1: Beautiful. Um I know in the book it talks about you know people staying in those formations for twenty to thirty minutes to really activate uh, that experience. For individuals that are newly learning, that are reading through the book, we live in such a heady society that it's very easy to get intellectual about everything and stay in the head to try to do it right, to try to make sure we follow the steps and all of those kinds of things that keep us out of our heart, frankly and keep us more in the head, how do you advise individuals to deepen into proper protocols and uh, utilization of crystals,
2: but remain grounded in the body and the heart space while doing so? I think the number one thing to do is just try to have fun with it. Um, If we we treat it as a technique that we've got to master, then we are going to stay in our head. And I think I think one of the, the best pieces of ah of advice I ever got about anything technique oriented came from one of my Reiki teachers, um Frank Arjava Petter, and he said that the best technique is the one you don't need anymore. So mm. um, you know, being able to just be present is the name of the game. So whether you do that because you're marveling over the beauty of the stones or you're just genuinely having fun making a grid or a layout or an elixir or getting into that meditative state, um, if we keep an open heart, an open mind, if we look at it as something we are exploring rather than something we are learning, I think that makes all the difference in the world.
1: I love that. That's beautiful. Exploring rather than learning. Uh, To stay in that place of curiosity and wonder is absolutely where we all must be crystals can come in a lot of different shapes they can come in their raw form uh, and then there are these polished versions there are crystal wands there are eggs there are hearts there are pyramids uh, all these different shapes do those shapes affect the crystals properties do they amplify something or are they for specific reason or is again that something
2: aesthetic that just draws us in you know that the answer to that's kind of complex it's it's yes to all of the above. A crystal's energy is determined by its um, its makeup, its composition, its structure. So no amount of rubbing, grinding, shaping, cutting, polishing the outside changes those sort of molecular arrangements. So the the energy is fundamentally the same, but the shape of a stone can affect the way the energy is distributed, the way it kind of travels through the stone. So if you've got something with a defined point at one or both ends, you know, energy tends to move along that axis. If you have something that is like a sphere, it softly radiates energy in all directions at once. Um, other, other shapes can add a, a sort of symbolic layer as well, like crystal skulls or hearts. Um, you know, they have meaning to us on a personal level. And so that kind of filters the crystal's energy through that layer of psychological meaning too. So, um, you know, ultimately when working with different crystal shapes, Um, use what you're attracted to. Of course, that's important. Have a variety, especially if you want to engage in a a healing practice, it's nice to have more than one option available, Um, but also be mindful that form and function are interrelated. You might absolutely love collecting crystal spheres, but they're not the greatest tool for laying on the body um, because they're going to roll right off. So, um, you know, explore your options, but, you know, use what you're most drawn to, at least in the beginning, and you can always add to the toolbox as you go.
1: And if an individual is just beginning... Uh, utilizing crystals and is inspired by this, uh, show to go out and purchase some crystals. Are there
2: three top crystals that you feel like belong in everyone's toolbox? I'm going to say quartz as the first one, you know, it's kind of a cop-out because it's so ubiquitous and it comes in every variety, color, shape, size that you can imagine, whether it's amethyst, citrine, smoky quartz, clear quartz, rose quartz, any of the above, they're, they're all going to be great. Um, Another one that I think is just so helpful in today's world is lipidolite. Lipidolite is a, a lithium bearing form of mica, and lithium is really expansive to the heart. It elevates consciousness. Lithium is a very evolutionary um, energy to it as well that helps us kind of adapt and accept what's happening. So, any lithium based stone is good, but lipidolite is. Um, pretty easy to find, relatively inexpensive in the grand scheme of things. That makes it wonderful to use. And it teaches us the value of surrender and acceptance, um, which I think is uh, a good ally to have with you. If you're frazzled, if you are stressed, lipidolite is a good stone to work with. Um, and then finally, I think that you know, right now in, in today's world, where we are confronting a lot of patterns that that don't seem to be working. I think obsidian can be a really valuable ally to have in your crystal toolbox because obsidian is that really honest friend with no filter who holds the mirror up in front of you and and points out what we can work on. So it's a really transformational stone. It's an initiatory gemstone as well. Um, So I, I think those three are really great allies to have, but at the end of the day, you know, we have to personalize our toolbox to meet our needs.
1: Mm, Beautiful, beautiful. Nicholas, I'd love to give you an opportunity to talk about the event that you have coming up on July 16th, uh, where you are supporting uh, quite a few charities as well as um, teaching people how to utilize crystals for resistance.
2: Sure. So the the workshop's called Crystals for the Resistance. It'll be um, Thursday, July 16th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and uh, 50% of the proceeds will be going to charity. I'll be supporting the OCRA project and Black Lives Matter with that. Um, But essentially the the theme for it is we are all resisting something in life, whether we're resisting fear, resisting um, a pandemic, whether we're resisting um, social institutions that are maybe not designed for everyone's best good. um, We have minerals that can help us through that, minerals that can help us go out into the world and create a better world. So uh, we'll be discussing a whole bunch of stones that, that help us. We'll be learning how to be better allies. We'll be learning how to really hold space for a new world that we're hoping to birth. So um, I look forward to maybe having a few of the listeners there. Tickets are only $25. Um, there is a limited number of seats, um, but um, it, it may be something that I repeat.
1: Wonderful. Thank you, Nicholas, for sharing so much beautiful knowledge. I invite you all to check out. Uh, all of Nicholas's work in going to theluminouspearl.com, his website, or the Luminous Pearl Facebook page, and uh, definitely checking out that event July 16th. The book that we spoke about today was Crystal Basics, The Energetic Healing and Spiritual Power of 200 Gemstones. While you're there, also pick up a copy of Crystal Healing for the Heart, that is another one of his powerful books that I think you would deeply enjoy. My guest next week is David nassie and we are going to be discussing caregiving, a very important topic right now, whether it is in regard to those in your home, those away from you at this time, or even what you need to do to take care of yourself as someone who is a caregiver. Until next time, I am Simran, in love, of love, with love, and as love. Be well.